TED Audio Collective. You're growing a business and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate, no coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Hi, I'm Adam Grant. I think about work a lot. That's why I wanted to tell you about Canva Docs, which will help you expertly craft your work communications. They have an AI text generator built in called MagicWrite, powered by OpenAI. You can generate any text you want. Job descriptions, marketing plans, sales proposals. Just start with a prompt and you'll have a draft in seconds. Tweak your draft and you're done. Try Canva Docs with an AI text generator built in at canva.com. Designed for work. Got a business problem? There's a TED Talk for that. Stay updated on everything business on TED Business, a podcast hosted by Columbia Business School professor Modupe Akinola. Every week, she'll introduce you to leaders with unique insights on work, answering questions like, how do four-day work weeks work? To, will a machine ever take my job? Get some surprising answers on TED Business wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, Worklifers. Today, I'm bringing you a snippet from another podcast I enjoy, A Slight Change of Plans with cognitive scientist Maya Shunker. Maya demystifies the psychology of change and looks at how the transitional moments in our lives transform who we are and who we become. Maya is joined by Ayelet Fishbach, a psychologist and one of the world's leading experts on setting smarter goals and actually sticking with them. Ayelet shares how we can handle potentially unrealistic goals, how we can better reward ourselves for making progress, and what questions we need to ask ourselves when it comes to setting good targets. Dr. Ayelet Fishbach is a professor of behavioral science at the University of Chicago and is the author of the best-selling book, Get It Done, Surprising Lessons from the Science of Motivation. She spent decades studying how we can get better at not only setting the right goals for ourselves, but also sticking with them. One of her strategies is to think carefully about what we reward ourselves for when we're trying to reach a goal. Often we reward what is uh, easy to measure, okay? So we might reward ourselves for how many hours we set in front of our computer, but not really on whether we were productive, whether we we did work that gets us uh, somewhere. Uh, maybe we were just uh, answering emails and kind of killing time, but we did work for many hours, but really, we should care more about the quality. On today's show, we learn about the science of motivation so that we can set smarter goals and actually reach them. I'm Maya Shunker, and this is A Slight Change of Plans, a show about who we are and who we become in the face of a big change. I've known Ayelet since I was a postdoc studying the science of decision-making, and her research has had a big personal impact on me. I was eager to have her on the show because motivation is a key ingredient in successfully changing our lives. And her science-based strategies can help us think differently about how we set goals and how we ought to pursue them. 
So let's start with the basics. How should we define our goals? You talk about traps that we can fall into when it comes to setting our goals. And one of those is when we unintentionally define our goals to feel more like chores than like aspirations. Yes. Uh, chores are the things that we need to do so that we can uh, achieve our goals. And often we define the goal in terms of the chore. So we might, uh, for example, uh, define our goal in terms of applying for a job in instead of getting a job, instead of uh, having a career. Uh, applying for a job for most people is no fun. Uh, not going on a date, okay, for many people, that's not really fun. That's a chore. Okay, The, the goal is to find someone. The, the goal is to start a relationship. Uh, and so defining the, the goal on the level that is exciting, that identifies what you want to achieve is important. Don't make it too abstract. A, a goal that doesn't have any action that is connected to it. Okay? If someone says my goal is to be happy and they cannot name the actions that will make them happy, then this is not useful either. But there is this like sweet spot between something that is exciting that defines where you want to be and not necessarily what you need to do in order to get there, but is nevertheless connected to, to these actions. And where is that sweet spot exactly? It depends on many factors, but there are two different types of questions you can ask yourself that will pull you in different directions and help you find that balance. Why questions and how questions. So, to uh, get yourself to think more abstractly about your goals, you need to ask uh, uh, many why questions. Okay? Like, I, I want to uh, um, sign up for a gym membership. Why? Because okay? I uh, uh, want to uh, start uh, running. Uh, why? Because okay? I, I want to be healthier and, and so on. And every why question makes you a bit more abstract. Now, stop with the why on the level where it's no longer really connected to action, okay? So when you ask people why and why and why, eventually they, they give you something very Cause I, general. Because I exist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, right? Exactly. Because I must fill the time that I have on this earth. <laughs> yes, and, and that's uh, uh, not useful at this yeah. point. Okay, uh, and if you feel that you are already up there in the sky and this is not really useful, then you ask the how questions like, you know, I want to be happy. Like, how? Okay, well, you know, I want to have a relationship. Well, you know, how? Well, I, I'm going to uh, start meeting more people. Well, how? I'm going to, uh, you know, uh, uh, call my friend who uh, knows many people and so on. Ayelet's research shows that the way we frame our goals can have a big impact on motivation. There are what she calls approach goals or do goals. For example, I want to eat healthier foods or I want to excel at my job, which are all about striving towards a good outcome. And then there are avoidance goals or do not goals, like I do not want to get sick or I want to avoid getting fired, which are all about trying to avoid a bad outcome. And Ayelet says that whether we frame things in one way versus the other can sometimes just depend on the kind of person we are. Is there a question we can ask ourselves to figure out if we are more approach versus avoidance oriented? Uh, you can ask uh, what drives you uh, uh, in life. Uh, are you uh, uh, the kind of person that is uh, worried about doing the wrong thing? Okay, that is uh, a concern about... Uh, 
trying out something that doesn't work? Uh, are you concerned about messing up? Uh, I'm going back to dating because I, I think this actually illustrates this really well. Like when you think about finding someone in your life, are you thinking about approaching relationship or are you thinking about avoiding being lonely? Okay, how how What feels right to you in your mind when you uh, think about this call? Uh, by the way, there was really a nice research showing that when people feel that they have power, the same goal will come to their mind more in terms of approaching than avoiding. Can you give me an example of what, what you mean by having power? Uh, think about at work when you are meeting with uh, uh, your uh, employee versus your boss, okay? And often that changes like, in, in a matter of just, you know... Uh, A few minutes, okay? In, in one meeting, you are the person in power. You are the, the big boss. And I don't know, Maya, maybe you're always the big boss, but I am not. Okay, so. <laughs> I am, I'm not either. <laughs> okay, so then you go to another meeting and you are, uh, uh, you know, the, the person that uh, sits there quietly uh, and everybody else has more uh, power. And in the first situation when you are the boss, you are more likely to think about your work in terms of opportunities. And in the second setting, you're more likely to think about your job in terms of maybe opportunities to mess up. Okay? <laughs> How do I not say the wrong thing? Okay? As, as opposed to uh, what can I say that might be uh, useful, that might move this forward? Mm. So you've said that we, just to summarize, you've said that... Um, That there can be these different environments that invoke our do goals and then other environments that invoke our do not goals. And then in addition to that, there are individual differences that can lean us towards one direction or the other. Um, what would you recommend that we go with as, as a default option as we're as we're going about our daily lives? And I'm, you know, I've just read your book. I've just listened to this podcast and I'm like, you know, I might have these proclivities, but maybe I should be reframing my goal in a certain way. <laughs> Approach goals, do goals are better than do not. The reason is because uh, avoidance goals tend to be chores and approach goals tend to be fun and exciting and often uh, more intrinsically uh, motivating. And, and so unless you really you need to protect your life, you need to do something to just making sure that you are safe in, in the short term, in which case avoidance framing fits, use approach. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think it's also important to note that our emotional responses to failure can be different when we framed our goals in terms of approach versus avoidant, right? So when we achieve something that we're approaching, we can be filled with feelings of pride um, and accomplishment and fulfillment. When we when we achieve a do not goal, right? Um, or I don't even know it's a, if you can call it achieving a do not goal. It kind of sounds a little bit odd, but when we... When we um, We don't have the thing happen to us, right? Uh, we feel feelings of relief and calm and, and relaxation, like, oh, you know, the, the swiping of the forehead, right? Like, phew, thank God that didn't happen. When you are trying to avoid something and you're successfully avoiding it, then you are, in a way, satisfied that you don't have the negative experience that you would have had. If you could not avoid it, okay? So it, it's the absence of negative. Basically, in pursuit of avoidance goals, often there is either negative if you fail or the absence of negative, which is if you are successful. With a bit of, you know, th this relief that luckily I, I am not feeling horrible, okay? 
Yeah, and it's also striking me right now that it's really hard to measure the absence of an activity and absence of an action, right? So a lot of times when you frame something in terms of avoidance, are you really keeping track of every time you avoided the chocolate cake, every time you avoided, you know, the tempting option? That's just hard to measure, right? And so it can feel less motivating because you just have less signal about how much progress you're making. There's less to, to hold on to. That's why, for example, I'm such a bad, I'm always, I'm always telling everyone in my life, um, you could probably glean this about me, but I'm a super action oriented person. And so when the action item is to like wait or abstain from things, I really struggle. That's, that's my weak point. You're not the only one. Okay. When you're trying <laughs> to avoid something, you're constantly checking whether you're avoiding it and by that, bringing it back to mind. Mm, yeah. Um, when it comes to setting our goals, one topic that, I loved reading about in your book was about the importance of who is setting the goal. And, and the reason that's particularly consonant with this show, A Slight Change of Plans, is that we're often talking about the role of agency, right, in, in making choices and projecting things about the future and, and uh, reflecting back on how our changes have affected us. And, and you say that when we own our own targets, right, we're, we're way better at executing on them and, and we're more likely to stay motivated. And I just, I mean, I guess I just love the research on agency in general because <laughs> it, it just reinforces how much we love being the driver's seat, you know, metaphorically. Uh, and then when we own that process, we're more likely to stay the course. Yes, absolutely. And we know that for many years that people really need to have control over their lives and, and need to feel that they are in a, a control when, when negative outcomes happen. And we all have negative outcomes. When you feel that it's outside of your control, that just the, the world is, is cruel and it's nothing to do with how you, you behave, this is much more problematic than when you experience that you do have control and nevertheless had the same uh, negative uh, outcomes. Uh, on top of it, when other people uh, set the, the goal for you, uh, that brings reactance. Then you, you know, you feel like they are controlling you. You, you want to argue uh, with them. You resent them for demanding uh, certain things from you and, and Owning your goals is not just good for you psychologically, it also helps achieving these goals. You're less <laughs> likely to have these two minds. Okay, yeah, I will do this, Maya, because you asked me, but I also resent the fact that you asked me, and so I'm not going to do my best. Yeah. And, and I like the idea, you know, obviously a lot of us don't get to control all of the the goals that are set for us, right? We have jobs, we have responsibilities. Um, as you mentioned in your book, we, we might be working with a coach of some sort. But what you've recommended is that at a minimum, that person might be able to give us a set of options from which to choose, right? So if you're working with a personal trainer, let's say they can give you, okay, you can do, you know, the Stairmaster or the elliptical, or we can lift weights, right? And and it's just the idea of, okay, here's the option set that I know will help you thrive, but you can still choose choose among those options. Yes. Yeah. Ask for options. Okay? Ask for alternative ways to uh, pursue your goals so that you, you do get some uh, uh, sense of control. Yeah. It's making me think that I should um, tell my husband, Jimmy, in the future, okay, Jimmy, here's the option set. Unloading the dishwasher, loading the dishwasher, <laughs> taking out the trash. Your choice, buddy. But one of these is going to be accompanied with more motivation. I love it. See? You're, you're helping on motivation. You're helping, you know, marital relationships. This is fantastic. Yeah. And, you know, we, we didn't even get to a relationship yet. Yeah, yeah we haven't yeah. gotten there yet. Yeah. Um, okay. So I want to wrap up 
this part of the conversation where we're talking about how to better set goals um, with my favorite recommendation from you, which is to make sure that we're setting our goals when we're in a similar psychological and physiological state as the one we'll, we'll be in ultimately when we are actually striving for that goal. Um, and I mean, this is just, this is such smart advice because of course our aspirational selves can, can race away from us and say, oh yeah, I can totally imagine eating salad for every single meal or, you know, in work adopting a totally new set of habits. But what you said is, No, actually, to have a little bit of a temperature check and to ground your goals in reality, make sure that you're actually at work when you're setting those goals. Or if you're thinking about healthier eating, make the goals when you aren't totally full. And it's easy to say that you're always going to be able to eat the healthier option versus, you know, the unhealthy one. (laughs) Yeah, well, you summarized it beautifully. So one reason for this is the empathy uh, gap is our tendency not to be very empathetic to our future selves. And and so... uh, you know, when we plan our uh, career transition, uh, we we think that this future person that we are going to be uh, is going to wake up at 6 a.m., start working <laughs> at 7 a.m., right, and, and work until they uh, get dinner and go to sleep. And so that person is going to accomplish a lot. Uh, the, the problem is that that person is going to be us, and so that person will be bored or tired and, and everything else. And and the empathy gap is just very hard to overcome. If you set your goals when you're in a similar state, that helps you being more empathetic to, to this person that will have to follow through with the goals. Mm. And And the danger lies in... If you don't do this and setting unreasonable goals and then basically jumping ship uh, when you when you find that it's it's not even within the realm of of, uh, you know, practical life to be able to do those things. Right. So the problem with unrealistic goals is that we get discouraged. Like Usually we don't really care about the specific target that we set. We care about setting a goal so that we are motivated. Right. So that we want to to work hard. But if we perceive that the the goal is completely unrealistic, then we give up and we work much less than if we uh, set a more realistic uh, but motivating goal. So the, the, the risk is that we'll just say, ah, that's never going to happen and therefore I should do absolutely nothing about it. I hope you enjoyed the preview as much as I did. You can hear the full episode and more from A Slight Change of Plans wherever you listen.